1: Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker and author Alfred Edmund Jr. and your co-host, life coach and author D Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Welcome to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. and I'm here with DC
2: Marshall.
1: And we are talking about something that all of us are dealing with today the whole hybrid work model. Things have not been the same since the pandemic forced many of us to work from our homes. And now we've proven that the economy can function with us working outside the office. Now that we're returning back to the office, some of us, many of us, now we're struggling with how do we work in a hybrid model where some of us are at home, some of us are in in an office, some of us are traveling around, who knows?
2: We are talking today about um, work. Uh, what is top of mind and most present for, I think many people, If unless you are independently wealthy and you're not working at all, but many people are um, thinking about work and what our next new normal looks like as it pertains to you know people working from home or at home, people returning to the office um, or not returning to the office or somewhere in between. And so that is what we're talking about today. Um, and also looking at, you know, um, this, uh, I think the industrial revolution and the demand and some of the di- dynamics there. So Alfred, I want to, um, uh, bring you in, of course, to the conversation, um, about hybrid work. What are you doing right now? Do you still work hundred percent from home?
1: Uh, before the pandemic, I was, um, in the office two days a week and home three days a week during the pandemic, of course, nobody was going into the office. I went back into the office for the first time in 18 months, two weeks ago. And right now I'm going in one day a week. At least I'm only required to go in one day a week, even though last week I went in two days a week. But right now, uh, the way it's set up at Black Enterprise is that we have different departments who come in um, a different day of the week, depending on what work needs to be done. So right now it's very, very flexible, but we don't know how long that's going to last because like most companies and most workers really, A lot of it is a wait and see, plan as you go, here's what I'm willing to do, here's what I'm not willing to do, both on the employer side and the employee side. Um, There are employees that are saying, this is what I want, and this is what I'll do, and this is what I won't do. And there are employers who are saying, this is what I will allow, and this is what I'm going to require, and this is what I'm okay with. So it's, it's all up in the air, and we have a perfect guest to have this conversation with us. Please welcome to the show, Carol Watson chief inclusion officer at BCW. And Carol is also the former senior director global advisory and consulting for diversity best practices, working mother media. And again, that's really relevant because the expertise obviously is about the workplace, but the biggest people impacted by the changes in the economy were women and black women in particular and um, their work lives and the way they earn a living. So when we're talking about living an abundant life, we have the perfect expert to have that conversation around hybrid working. Carol, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
1: So what are your broad observations um, as we look at trying to figure out what this quote-unquote new normal is? You have some companies telling you, employees, you've got to be back here five days a week you, or you can't keep your job. That's one real extreme, obviously, because COVID is still active. It's, it's a rare extreme, but it's there. Then you have the other extreme, which some companies are saying, listen, come in when you're ready, as long as the work gets done, I don't care whether you come in or not, you can work from home, you can work remotely, as long as we're gonna measure it by your productivity and whether the work gets done and not by where you physically are when you do it. And then as D said, there's a big range in the middle. Some people have to come in multiple days a week, some people don't have to come in at all. People are just trying to figure it out as they go along. What are you seeing and what do you think we're gonna be seeing, at least in the short run in this space?
0: So what I'm seeing for sure is that spectrum Um, Most companies are somewhere in the middle, um, depending on the work and how the work gets done and also how the leaders um, feel about this topic. And so we're wrestling with how leaders feel comfortable uh, paying for rent, right? paying for leases and space, which is one of the largest line items on the budget um, that we have to be real about. And then we're dealing with the perception that to collaborate, to make sure that we see um, how people are navigating, to build relationships. We like to have people to be seen and, and to work together. So we're wrestling with some of those realities. The companies that are more set up for the continuity of a hybrid work are those that were doing it before, those who work, those whose roles didn't really require it, those uh, roles where we were used to collaboration and coming together to make decisions and to discuss and more teamwork. I think those are the companies and the, and the structures and the cultures that are struggling the most. But what we know is that, that particularly for this next generation, they will be guiding what happens next and what the decisions are more than what leaders really want.
1: You know, you make a really good point because it's now a competitive issue in terms of, of trying to get talent. And, and right now there's post-pandemic or post-economic shutdown pandemic, um, there's a competition for getting workers. And I know uh, companies that are losing workers because they're like, I wanna work from home. And if you won't let me work from home, there's a company down the street that's willing to let me work from home. So on the one hand, you do have traditional um, CEOs and business owners that are like, no, you need to be here. But you have other companies saying, you don't really have to be here and, and they can lure talent away just by giving them that flexibility. You're saying that the next generation or the new generation of workers um, who are in the workforce now, they're not coming, they're here, are largely dictating uh, what's likely to happen in the short run. Um, I happen to think, as someone who loves working from home, by the way, (laughs) that I didn't realize how much I missed the collaborative social aspect of work until I started going back to work, even if only one or two days a week. There's a balancing act here. Wouldn't you say between having the total freedom of just doing work when you feel like doing it, but also having the reinforcement of talking to your colleagues who should be serving the same mission that you are as, as, you know, in your company.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you bring up a great point and particularly with um, Black talent, my fear and my concern is that so much of what keeps us retained, what keeps us promoted, what, where, how we rise in our career is the relational piece. And you know, so it's not enough to keep your head down. You know, I'm a big believer in the concern about the keep your head down syndrome that uh, people of color, especially first-generation immigrants have bought into. Our parents have bought into the idea that you just do the work and keep your head down, which supports the hybrid remote work. But the reality for many companies, many cultures, you need to be seen, you need to be experienced, particularly if you're Black and you're underrepresented because the people that you're working with, their circle of trust doesn't usually include anybody that looks like you. So they don't have any lived experiences with people that are Black. And so if they don't see you, they don't hear you, they don't have any sense of what your lived experience is, what your culture is, what your family dynamic is, um, what you want, they're, gonna, they're left to make assumptions based on what they're exposed to in the world, which we know is not the, the best representation of each person. So my fear is that we're forgetting about the key core of work, really core, is not just doing the work, but building relations, building your identity. Identifying where you want to go and creating relationships and networks and sponsors and people that are going to advocate for you when you're not there. So it's much more than just where you sit, but how are we going to in that new normal build those relationships as a priority because we often don't talk about that as black people. Build relationships with people that don't look like us so that we realize it is part of our career responsibility our job responsibility to build, build that network where I've heard companies do a good job of thinking about the hybrid version is not just come into the office and sit in front of the screen. I think that is what's gonna go away, but where they're saying, when you come in, let's do something. Um, let's have a, a guest speaker come in. Let's you know do some development. Let's do something meaningful so that if you're coming in, it connects you know, we're, we're developing, we're really doing some ideating, we're really problem solving, doing the things that you can't do if you're on the screen at home. So those are the companies that are really thinking about this next evolution uh, in a meaningful and innovative way.
2: Let me jump in here for a second. So yep. I want to share two things that you mentioned, Carol. One, there's an opportunity loss. Mm -hmm. Um, from being or continuing to work remotely. So when it comes to culture, so I wanna talk about that, um, right? There's a lost opportunity that dominant culture has to engage with Mm -hmm. uh, talent of color and talent of diverse backgrounds. And so that breaks down there. So I wanna come back to that because I thought that was so powerful that you brought up. And that's a shift, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other shift I want to talk about the shift that is Black people, in particular, as a result of the diversity tipping point, will be for the very first time in a physical space feeling very different than when we went out um, back in March and feeling different because of the civil unrest that took place last year and now having to be in a physical space. And I really would love to hear your thoughts about that because I've heard people say, it's just, we're not excited to go back. I've heard black people say, we're not excited to sit back in the space and to have us be not heard, uh, even though we are seen to be disrespected because people are feeling differently. I would say the two changes that are most present, I think for a lot of people that I'm in conversation with who happen to be black and brown people about they're not happy to go back, they're not. And largely because of the experiences that black people have. And the reason I think black people are more sensitive to it, it's because before COVID, um, we didn't have the tension point of the civil unrest and the murder of George Floyd. So any thoughts about, about that, Carol?
0: So, um, you know, w- when people re- have been talking about return to the office, um, this is the first time we're returning to the office. And now people, my peers that are diversity and inclusion practitioners are being asked, what are the what are the diversity and inclusion implications? And this is the first time we're talking about it. And as we're talking about it, and it depends on the person and the context, but I think if you are the only in the room, irregardless of the last year, there is an energy that you have to expand um, to navigate a space where you're not at this, blackness is not at the center. There's extra work um, to show up. There's extra, and it causes us to uh, be more fatigued Right. And causes us to have more health problems. We know that, right? And so um, that's something that we've all gotten used to is the extra work necessary to be in a space where you are the only or your white is at the center of that cultural space. And that energy is not expanded when you're in a virtual, you don't have to, you know, that which is why I'll go on record saying I'm not a fan of the word belonging. Because you know that you belong with your friends and your family, you know, so the workplace is a place where you want to be valued and respected. I don't know that it will ever because we will always be underrepresented. Ever be a place where you really will feel like you quote unquote belong in the sense of really feel comfortable and at home because you have to, as we talk about code switching you're constantly making adjustments you're, you're editing how people see you and think about you. So even if you know, I hear less about the concern about the civil unrest, quite honestly. And, you know, the high you know, high achieving black career people, um, I think it would have been, it's more energy irregardless of that. But because they've had a chance to be home and there's comfort and safety, right? And of just doing the work and not having to expand that energy, the thought of having to go back in and having to use that energy again to be in a space where you're the only, where you have to you know edit and be careful of what you say. And you know, there are microaggressions, even if they're unintended, takes its toll. It's exhausting. And I think that is more of what we're seeing in terms of resistance mm-hmm. um, than even the civil unrest. Because in the corporate environment, there was a lot of performative stuff and people said they cared. So you know, I don't know that it's the civil unrest um, that's causing it as much as the energy that you know that factor, that plus factor that's unknown that you know is exhausting that's required um, to be in those spaces.
1: So Carol, I mean, you and Dee both make a really good point that there's a price mm-hmm. that you pay if you're the other you know, in, a, in a white dominant environment that people have to think twice or or are thinking twice about whether they want to deal with when they got used to not dealing with it for a long time. But I do want to go back to the other opportunity costs because you're right. The people that pay the highest price for just doing the work and being invisible is black people and women and black women in particular. Again, I work in a predominantly black company and we know instinctively that that if you're invisible, what happens is you only get noticed when the work doesn't get done. Right. You you could get 99% of it right but if you're invisible and the 1% that goes wrong, that's when people notice you. And then the 1% feels like 100%, like you're just wrong all the time. So this idea of visibility, man, brand management, image management, reputation management, relationship building, that's key to the survival and, and the advancement and the thriving of Black professionals um, in every industry, you know, and in every job, is, n- is not something to take lightly when you talk about the comforts of working at home and not having to deal with microaggressions and other things. So, how, how do we balance that? How does our how do the listeners to this show, you know, balance that and yeah. continue to live an abundant life? Because we're, yeah. we're all working to have the kind of life that we want.
0: Part of my brand image is to talk about intentionality. So, it's not enough to talk about culture, um, but we have to talk about how we're being intentional about the culture we want. How are we being intentional about the career we want? How do we be intentional about building our network, you know, building our circle of trust? It all requires intentionality. And so building awareness for what is the the dynamic that's different and how can we educate colleagues about what that is? You know, yes, you know, our, our colleagues that are not black will never, never, ever understand what it feels like any more than a man can understand what it's like to be pregnant. You know, it's not possible. So to understand that lived experience of what you have to to battle. So self-care is critical, but being intentional about continuing to navigate that balance. So if you're much more comfortable working from home, how are you, and this is a conversation pre-COVID, you know, if you're working virtually, you have to be intentional about making sure you build and maintain those relationships over and above just being on the calls. That's always existed. That still will exist. And you have to think about it. The company is not going to think about it for you. There are things happening all the time, you know, separate from what the meetings, the meeting before the meeting, the meeting after the meeting, people grabbing, you know, cocktails or drinks or whatever. Even if you're working hybrid, who should you make sure you meet in person? There was a colleague of mine that I know likes to meet in person. I said, I'll come in and meet with you after work for drinks, because there was information that I needed from him and information that he wanted to share with me that a Teams call or a Zoom call was not going to do that you don't need to be in the office for, but you have to be really intentional, even if you're not, you're, you're, whether you're remote, like even if you're coming in, one of the things we talked about is if, you, if you're coming in one or two of those days, make your calendar light. Who do you need to see? You know, not, don't just go about doing your calendar the way you normally do it and go to the office and you put your headphones on and you don't raise your head and you don't talk to anybody and then you leave the office. That's not good for anybody. You're not serving the company. You're not serving yourself. You're not doing what you know diversity and inclusion is supposed to do. You're just being a robot. But we have to own that responsibility. The company's not gonna tell you to do that. You have to be intentional and say, okay, I'm going in one or two days a week. Let me rearrange my calendar to make sure who do I need to get FaceTime with? Who do I need to build a relationship with? And make sure your calendar is, is situated in a way that you maximize that time in the office to build relationships and don't do it mindlessly, just you know filling up your calendar and complaining about being in the office. Leverage that uh, as an opportunity to build your brand.
1: You know, this is really a fascinating conversation and I'm I, I definitely gonna come back after this break Um, to jump in with something that I think we should look at as a competitive advantage as professionals um, in this current environment. Listen, you guys, we're talking about hybrid work. We're talking about what new work is going to look like now and going forward. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm with my co-host, D.C. Marshall. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. We'll be right back.
3: Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network,
1: Welcome back to Be Listed Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We're talking about hybrid work. What is work going to look like? We have a great guest, Carol Watson. And Carol, I want to talk about something that, you know, I'm I'm a very strategic person because I want to get paid. I want to advance. I want to accomplish my goals. And I have decided, I actually decided long before we figured out what what, post-economic shutdown was going to be, I was planning my re-entry into the workplace. Like, I mean, I'm talking about everything from buying some new clothes, like, you know, because the, the, the dress codes have changed. I was like, just because I'm not wearing a suit and tie doesn't mean I shouldn't be fly. But I walk if in. The button I walk down in, is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is one of my new shirts, by the way. But, you know, I, and I, I made up my mind, listen, I'm going to be visible. And you talked about it. I'm not just going to go to my desk, do my work and then go home. I'm going to stop by certain key offices, including my CEO's office when he's in to chat with him. I'm going to set up appointments, both with people, with colleagues at the company as well as outside the company, that I'm going to be, if I'm only going to be in the office one day a week or two days a week, I'm going to make sure people knew I was there. Mm. Um, and I, so I really want you know, want you kind of to, to dig in on um, that everything that's happening, there's a downside, but there's an opportunity. And for particularly for black people, particularly for black women, There's an opportunity for us to actually be more visible and more impactful than we were when we may have been there five days a week. And for the most part, people weren't necessarily paying attention. At least that's my take. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there was an article, I think about a week ago in the New York Times talking about um, how the goal now, you know, is to condense your work week, which is not a new concept. You know, there have been books written about that for many years. But I think because of COVID, not directly related to race, but we know that there's stuff, you know, extra responsibilities we have, right, between caregiving and our family and all the other activities. So we feel it more. But there is more of a goal to condense, to work less, to get in as much as possible and rethink what work is. So that's the other piece to that. Um, You know, how do we wanna show up? How do we wanna live? How do we wanna, you know, is, is you know, all money is not good money is something I always tell people. So, you know, that bigger job is going to come at a price. So, you know, what is the life you want to live? You know, that's the most fascinating thing to see people, regardless of race, really giving some, you know, thoughtfulness to as we come out of this.
1: Well, we want everybody to live an abundant life. I know that's what I'm trying to do. So, <laughs> you know, and, and so there's this thing about, I'm telling people that if we think about it, not time spent, but impact made, which is really what, you know, And we're not really paid to punch a clock, especially you deal with the people that D deals with, which is high level professional in corporate America. Even if they want you to be there five days a week, you're not really being paid to be there for the time you're spending. You're being paid for the impact that you're making. How important is it for people to to think of their, their life, their career, their work, whether they're there one day a week or five days a week in those terms, as opposed to, oh, I got to be there at nine and I got to leave at seven.
0: Yeah, you know, every culture is different. You know, every company culture is different. And the solution is very individual. So depending on your work and your role, there are some companies, like I work in a culture, the agency culture is a billable culture. And so you're, you're, you're billing clients for that time and your performance and your value is related to how many billable hours you have. Um, for other companies, they don't look at it in that same way, they're looking at different KPIs, and so understanding what the key performance uh, indicators are for you, that particular culture, for your particular job, and understand how are you going to deliver on that. It may be coming up with ideas, it may be you know, key relationships, it may be you just need to sell a few things. Uh, one big sale and, you know, that's your biggest KPI and you can be off for the next whatever. Other ones, you know, it's going to be different. So it's very individualized. But so the more you think about what, what kind of role you want to have, what kind of career you want to have, and what are the key performance indicators that are part of that job, that role, that company that you should be paying attention to is critical, not just, you know, just condensing your hours, but and is that the career you want to have? You know, you, we make different commitments and decisions based on that.
1: You know, Dee, I'm curious from your, your point of view, because you got corporate clients. So you see this, I think, from the, not just the workers' point of view, but the you know the managing executives' point of view. How much of it is, I just want things to go back to the way they used to be, whether it makes sense or not. And how much of it really is tied to what's best for the performance of the company in your, in your mind, Dee, from what you're seeing?
2: So are you asking me or are you asking Carol?
1: I'm asking you. I want Carol to weigh in too, but I'm curious because you Jill, you, you know, at higher levels of corporate management in your work than that, I would say that I do because I focus more on entrepreneurs. But I mean, what are you seeing?
2: So here's the one part of what I am seeing, but also a connection that I want to make from what Carol mentioned. And that is... CEOs wanting for people to be in the office, and depending on industry, depending on, you know, some industries, uh, if you think about, you know, financial services or super conservative mature industries versus some adolescent industries, maybe like tech, um, and then there's there's a little bit in between, um, I think it's interesting that CEOs or some want people in the office, although they've been extremely productive and they have proven that remote working works, that they can be just as productive, just as effective, even to Carol's point about reducing work week being a thing. Well, the only reason that could become a thing is because it's been proven now that remote working works and works probably better than people being in the office. Um, And to be quite honest, everything for me is like outdated. You know, I'm gonna go back to even previous shows in conversations that we have, I just think so much needs to be disrupted. We need Uh disruption in work because the models are outdated. Uh We do operate on, you have to be seen and visible. And then there's a perception if you're seen and if you're visible that you're working, when more people can be in an office and working on their own thing than when you're outside of the office. So I was just thinking about that because Carol mentioned it at the front of the show, um, she mentioned, you know, uh, uh some, uh, industries and, and, corporations wanting people back in the office. Um, so yeah, I, I see the conflict, um, in that that's what I'm seeing with some of our clients. We hear from some of our, uh, you know, high level, high ranking. They're like, I'm done. I can't, I can't commit to five days. Mm-hmm. I'm also hearing people are concerned about their health. They're concerned about vaccinated, fully vaxxed, and those who are not. Um, A lot of women um, who we work with, they're concerned about their children, they're concerned about elder care, they're caring for parents. I've had clients who have left jobs because they needed to return and they're caring for elderly parent in their home. So I know that was a lot, but feel free to chime in, um, you know, Carol, this conflict in.
0: To build on that, one of the things that's always fascinating is human nature. Human nature is very resistant to change. And so whether it's a company or a leader or a CEO, there's a resistance to change. And then the other external force is that there is greater demands on performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depending on the industry, there's so much headspace around how are we going to meet these numbers? How are we going to get to that? It may be to make up for COVID because it really did impact a lot of businesses. So they're trying to save jobs. They're trying to keep jobs um, by driving, driving, driving performance. Um, and so it, what gets in the way is the headspace to think about, we need to you know, take a blank slate and rethink resourcing, roles. Do we have the right people on the team? Is that the right process? Can we be more efficient? There's a lot of inefficiencies that have gone on for a long time because we haven't prioritized and taken the time to say, is this still working for us? To Dee's point, most of the things that happen in the business realm no longer serve us, including the concept of a nine to five, right? Which is an antiquated hourly construct that was created (laughs) and no longer serves us. But it's hard to get that headspace to say, hmm, it's a construct that doesn't work. The hour lunge, the break leg, like none of that works anymore.
2: Carol, you were uh, talking about um, this outdated system. I think we were in agreement. And I'd love for you to continue along um, that thought and really talk to us about if you were in charge of all of commerce in these United States, yet to be united, if you were talking about all of corporate America, all of the private sector, all of the Fortune 500, and you were in charge, or if you were the policy maker, how might you uh, redesign and reimagine? So yeah, so feel free to
0: jump in. That's funny, it reminds me of a, a kind uh breakfast bar commercial where she eats it and she's like changing the world and she's like i'm just going to missouri just going to missouri i'm not doing all of that um but if i were doing all of that um you know it's up to leaders to prioritize the headspace and to say where do we want to be you know it's amazing how many companies do not have visions um do not have purpose um, that they just kind of grind along with some language and words that, are, that don't serve them any longer, right? And so taking the time out to say, we're, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're coming out of COVID, we're in this new place. Let's revisit, to your point, Dee, let's revisit the documents. Let's revisit our mission. Let's reviv- revisit our purpose. You know, what are we in the business to do? One of the big things that is growing is around uh, ESG, um, uh, social sustainability. So social sustainability is connected to diversity and inclusion uh, because how are we leveraging all of the talent uh, long term? How are we maximizing all the talent that's out there? So it's really critical to think about that. Um, so that's how companies are thinking about where, where do we want to be in five years? How do we make sure we have the right people, whether it's training or finding more diverse talent to maximize that and you know, supporting women to make sure that they're staying or they're coming to the company. So that's all around social sustainability. So there's a business reason to stop and think about, is this serving us? You know, many leaders are really trying to take some time. So I'm hoping whether they're a startup Or whether they're a Fortune 500 leader, that they're saying to themselves, let's carve out some time to just see if what we're doing serves us in the same way. Um, Are we leveraging people the way we should uh, now? You know, there's more conversation about what we do as a culture for return to office, you know, the policies and the procedures and how do we make it fun and all these other pieces. And it had my head spinning because we have. You know, one of the things I recommend to larger companies is that if they have ER employee resource groups, they leverage them and bring them into the conversation of return to office. You know, are you doing something to support the members? Are you creating a safe space? Are you educating the culture about, you know, why it may be a challenge for a particular group, whether they're people with disabilities or parents or, you know, whatever that is. And I realize that, you know, that we're never going to be 100% back. So do we do plan to do something in, you know, when that doesn't even make sense. We're gonna be 20% back, maybe 50% back at one time. Um, so we need to rethink that. But I think the leaders need to really carve out that time to provide the headspace to pressure test whether what they're doing is still effective.
1: Carol, talk about how our audience should be thinking about this. We have an audience that are a faith-based audience is a faith-based show. They want to live an abundant life. No matter what we do for a living, we want joy. We want peace. We want um, happiness with our families. We want to feel like we're doing something of purpose and meaning in life. And now we're faced with this this push and pull, whether I'm somebody that really needs to go back to work and can't, or somebody that wants to work but does not want to be in the office. Uh, Dee talked about all the different things we're still wrestling with. You know, COVID is not over. The economy is open back up. But do I, do I go back to work? Do I go back to school? Do I wear a mask? Well, I don't want to get vaccinated. You got this whole hodgepodge. And in the middle of that, we're trying to live a life of meaning and joy mm-hmm. and faith and abundance. So what should be in our headspace is we're navigating toward that goal with everything that's swirling around us. You know, the winds and the waves that are swirling around us and distracting us from meaning in our life and purpose in our life.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so as... Black people in particular, self-care should be paramount. Um, But um, we are also creatures of habit and we have a narrative and a tape in our head about what should be, what work looks like. I remember the first time I started working from home and my friends would assume that I was not working if we're working from home. So we have narratives and tapes in our head that don't serve us well at all. It's not just you know, corporate America, we need to really take a blank slate and really have some clarity, you know, pray and think about what is, the, what are the priorities for you as an individual and try and push everybody else out of that conversation. If it were up to you as an individual, well, what are the key priorities that are going to make you happy? What level of lifestyle? What level of connectivity? What learning? Where are you at your best? And see how the current state serves you and see how you can create those relationships, those networks, whether it's industry or within your company or your own learning and development to move you and progress you. If you're not moving forward, you're moving back. So staying in place and doing the same thing is gonna push you further back, even if you do nothing different. So that's what I would encourage that individual hard assessment um, that is that no one else can do, but you uh, can be informed by you know great people like D that do this very well. Um, but it really has to be about what's important to you as an individual and what will make you happy and feel uh, feel abundant. But add that self care in there every single day. Do something that adds, you know. I just discovered uh, forest bathing, um, and I'm a big fan of just you know. Being in the forest is such a powerful thing. So, it may be something as simple as that. You know, my puppy here that making all the noise forces me to be in the air, to be in the open, you know, three or four times a day. So, find that self care that's going to work for you.
2: You know, I love that you have amplified the self care in this because um, emotional or psychological safety as we return is definitely uh, something I think um, employers should be looking at and concerned about because there's so much that we are bringing back to work with, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, From folks who have, suffered loss or illness yeah. right and so the self-care is much more yeah. uh, necessity now i mean we have been talking about it for years building um, i know catalyst did a study a number of years ago on the emotional tax mm-hmm. uh of you know people of color in general and then black people in particular so that led to a conversation around psychological safety mm-hmm. um, but i love that you bring that into this conversation as that's part of the you know the strategy um, and, and so I love this forest bathing. Meditating has been my new thing. Meditation, oh my goodness, mindfulness. And I'll tell you, Carol, you'll love this, when I really started to pay attention because people have been talking about mindfulness for a long time, but one of our clients, um, uh, I was in a training and it was on mindfulness. Cliff Smith is the author of a book called Mindfulness um but he's full-time at ey ey literally employs a resource whose job is mindfulness
3: like one of those too
2: yeah so i think that's so fascinating like they have on their payroll a whole so carol you're familiar with this Mm -hmm. but again i think that's why i appreciate that you're amplifying self-care as not a nice to have it's a need to have the value of it um We've got one minute left, and so I, I don't want to take up um, all the time. But thank you for amplifying um, the need for self-care because it's extremely important. If this was 2019 and we were talking about return to work, it would be important, but not as important yeah. as on the other yeah. side of things like sickness, grief, loss, mm-hmm. uh, financial loss, yeah. civil unrest. I'm still going to say because I deal with black people every day, and they're not they're they're still feeling it. Um, I think corporate has, has is in a bit of a I don't know, bubble. a bubble, a a bubble. bubble. Yeah. A bubble. Um, and, and so thank you for that. So as we wrap, what would you want to leave the audience with, Carol, as we wrap up?
0: You know, I, I think, you know, use, it, use this as an opportunity. It's a fresh start, it's a newness. Um, find things that are gonna be new to you that you can get excited about. Um, I wouldn't get focused on whether you're in the office or not in the office, but What is the full life that you'd like to create? What are the things that you can tactically say that you're going to add to your richness and your fullness, whether it's class or a goal or a hobby or just bringing in new voices into your circle of trust? Uh, But use this as an opportunity for a refreshed uh, new beginning.
2: There you have it. Carol Watson, thank you so much. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We are a show about... Um, living well and we're talking about or we have discussed on this show returning to work and living well and carol left you with some jewels in terms of how to live an abundant life returning to work so um alfred you want to share how folks can follow us everywhere online and connect with us
1: listen you can follow us on all social platforms at B lifted up radio that's b the letter b lifted up radio You can also hear us on Sirius XM channel 141, uh, where you can catch us on satellite radio. And by all means, on demand, go to mochapodcastnetwork.com. That's podcast plural, mocapodcastnetwork.com to check out this episode of Be Lifted Up and all the episodes on demand. So listen, we we learned so much from Carol. I'm so glad she was on the show. This idea of hybrid working and what work is going to look like is very, very meaningful to our ability to live an abundant life. D, you are wonderful as always. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.
3: Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network.